Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program, ladies and gentlemen. I'm excited you're here with us today. As always, I want to say thank you to Outpost Coffee for just providing us with incredible products. Check those guys out at outpostcoffeeco.com. Now, here's what I want to have you guys hear from my lips today. Jesus has you where you are for a specific reason. Every one of us has been given an opportunity to be where we need to be for a specific purpose. And that specific purpose is to further God's kingdom. Every Christian, every believer has a gift that has been given to him or her by the sovereign savior of the world. And we are where we are. We're allotted into the spaces where we are for a purpose. Now, you say, now how do you know that I am allotted a specific spot, Caleb? How do you know that? Well, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 tells us, from one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their dwelling. So you are where you are for a reason. You're in that job that you're presently in for a reason. You're with those people that you're with for a specific purpose. (laughs) Like, that's awesome. I love that idea that Jesus loves us enough to put us in the spaces where we are to make an impact. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm making an impact. Well, I guarantee you, um, the conversation that I'm about to have with Senator James Langford, you're going to hear that he didn't think that he was going to make an impact. He said he was a quote unquote, snot nosed little red headed kid. And I'm going to tell you, if you had had a conversation with 17 year old James and said, listen, James, you're going to be an Oklahoma Senator and you're going to be impacting the entire state and the entire nation for the cause and the name and the renown of Jesus Christ, he probably would have laughed at you. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter where you are. God can take trash and turn it into treasure. God can take what we think is useless and turn it into useful. Absolutely, every time he can and he will believe and trust and know that Jesus is on the move and he is on the move in his people's hearts. And he is doing that for you and for me. So I pray that this conversation with James is encouraging and a blessing to your heart. Welcome to the Northfield Nation, Senator James Lankford. How are you doing this morning, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm excited you're here with us. Um, how is uh, how was your holidays? You know, the holidays were abbreviated, but they were good. Uh, obviously, we had a lot of back and forth going on with the uh, shutdown conversation. So, sure, uh, a longer time to be in D.C. And then uh, even when I was back home for a couple of days on the phone and uh, texting and all of that uh, wonderful chaos. But it's always nice to be able to get time with family and to get time to be able to worship together and uh, just to remember again uh, what Christmas is really all about. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to just, um, first thing out of the gate, I, I have, and I, maybe people want to know more about you because we see like the Senator side and we see all the things that are happening in, um, the world around us, uh, from the political side. And I I'd like to ask questions. Um, my main objective is Jesus and I want to know how you became a Christian. How did Jesus get a hold of you? You know, I actually uh, accepted Christ when I was eight years old. Uh, I was a uh, eight-year-old, uh, snot-nosed, red-headed kid sitting up in the balcony with my mom that for once paid attention uh, during a worship service. And uh, I, I, all I can remember is going home that night from the Sunday night service and still thinking about what the pastor said. I could not shake this simple reality. There is a God, and I don't know him. 
Uh, and it was just that simple for me uh, to be able to hear the story of Jesus and to be able to know uh, that uh, I am uh, I am distant from God. I laid awake that night in my bed and then I uh, prayed and accepted Christ. Uh, got up and went and talked to my mom about it and went and talked to my pastor about it. Wow. And then I uh, was baptized uh, Easter Sunday uh, several uh, months after that. But sure. for me, the beginning point uh, was a, a point of faithfulness, actually, from a church wrapping around a mom. Uh, and uh, and continue to be able to share the gospel with the kid. How incredible. I love that. It is great. So m- folks may or may not know, uh, you ran, you were sort of kind of the, the director of a camp called False Creek in right. Davis, Oklahoma. Uh, and if they don't know, this, this camp is one of the, I think if not, one of the largest uh, Christian camps uh, in all of the United States, it's it's uh, hosted by the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. Uh, Eight thousand roughly kids a week during the summer come there and uh, worship and just have fun summer camp experiences. You were the the program director, the the director, executive director of uh, False Creek. What were what was one of the, the most memorable moments you had as that director? Uh, I'd say anyone who's been in youth ministry, and I was in youth ministry a total of 22 years before I was in Congress, and, and including 15 of those years at Falls Creek Camp. Uh, anyone who's been around summer camping uh, will know it, it is a, an amazing ministry because kids get away uh, from just the hustle of daily life and the distractions they have and get time to be able to just focus on relationships, hang out uh, with each other, and get time to be able to worship together. And that is a rare thing for anyone. So no question for me, top memories are always revolving around the worship services. We, we had a come forward invitation time in the end of our evening service four days a week. And uh, to have the opportunity to be able to extend the invitation and be able to watch students uh, have life transformation uh, occur right in front of you is, is a pretty remarkable thing. Absolutely. Uh, I, have, I have a favorite moment from one of the invitations. There was a young lady that came forward uh, that she had a shirt on. Uh, that particular night uh, during the invitation that her shirt said, I love my bad attitude. Mm. And she's standing there at the front crying, uh, coming to know Christ. And I thought, what? Uh, there's a life transformation happening right in front of me where wow. she had declared to everyone at the camp, I have a bad attitude and leave me alone. <laughs> and everyone but Jesus left her alone. And, uh, and that, that transformation began. So there's, there's just a million of those uh, as you deal with students and as you deal with just the fun of the things going on as well. That's that's actually how um, through False Creek and through youth ministry. That's how you and I initially met. I remember the first time I ever met you was at a uh, you you spoke at a youth rally uh, back in the '90s at uh, First Baptist Church Barnstall, and Out yeah. of Eden was in concert, and you were the guest speaker. And that's that's where I first met you, and then uh, went False Creek after that, and interacted there so it's just some great 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 memories um that's for sure but I, I wanted to go a little bit further you so you did you've been in student men or you were in student ministry for over 20 years right. what made you decide to pursue politics yeah this is what my wife calls life's greatest interruption for us uh, <laughs> th- 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 this was not some planned event for us this was really a sense of calling that came in 2008 uh, that uh, we did not expect. Uh, in uh, the fall of 2008, actually right after uh, See at the Poll rallies uh, in 2008, in that September, 
uh, Cindy and I both separately since that God was calling us to run for Congress. Now, mm-hmm. neither one of us have been involved in politics at all. Uh, I didn't even run for student council. Okay, th- th- this was not my deal. <laughs> uh, I-, I followed national elections. I voted. Uh, I-, I followed policy issues. I was the nerdy kid, uh, even in elementary school, that read the newspaper. Uh, and so I-, I was up on the issues, but had never run for any office nor, nor looked at that. But in 2008, Cindy and I both separately sensed that God was calling us to run for this. Mm-hmm. So we, we struggled with that. For about seven months, we struggled and prayed this through. And uh, finally came to the point in March of 2009 uh, that we, we sensed. Uh, and I remember saying to her one day, leaving church, I'm going to be an old man one day telling my grandchildren about the time I didn't follow God. It was such a clear mm-hmm. calling for us, uh, but such an incredible risk. Uh, so I resigned my position at Falls Creek in September of 2009, and uh, we literally lived off our life savings, which if you know anyone in youth ministry, is not much. <laughs> and uh, we spent a year uh, running for political office with no plan B out there. Wow. Uh, so that was a uh, that was quite a journey for us, but we, we knew this is what God had called us to do, and uh, we're still unpacking all the whys and wheres of that. Wow, that's that's incredible. It, it, and I think it's so important that we as Christians should follow our God-given ability, you know, what God's placed in front of us to do. God's given us all a mission to do. And, and if we're not faithful in the small things, he's sure not going to give us big things to handle. And so it's, it's good to see that you're being obedient to what God's placed in front of you. I'm, I'm just I'm excited to see that and hear that. Uh, that that is true for all of us, as you mentioned before. That each of us has a unique calling and responsibility, and uh, they they do get scary as you go along. It, it is funny to me uh, how many people I meet that say they're they're afraid to pray because they're afraid of what God will say to them. And, uh, and I've, I've laughed and I've said, I, I understand that completely, <laughs> except the fact uh, that if we really do believe that He loves us and He has a plan, not just for our life, uh, but for the lives of other people as well, and you want and we want to be used by God in whatever role that may be. Uh, then you've got to be able to slow down and say, okay, God, what what is the plan today? Mm. What do you want to do? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So as a Christian, how does your faith impact your office as being Senator James Langford? Well, I think it should impact any any preserve person, whether you're a mechanic or whether you're a driver or mm. whether you're a pastor or whether you're a senator. Uh, your faith is your faith, uh, and it should impact how you treat your spouse, how you treat the people you work with, how you p- treat the people you drive next to. It affects your mission and your responsibility. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, your, your faith is your faith, and it, and it should permeate every part of your day. If your yeah. faith only affects your weekends, that's not a faith. That's called a hobby. Hmm. A hobby is something you do on weekends. A faith affects every part of everything that you do. Now, that doesn't mean I have to be confrontational about faith in every every way, but it doesn't mean I live the values of my faith and I speak openly about it because I we, we live in a country where we're allowed to speak about our faith and live our faith and have a faith that's different than our next-door neighbors, and that'd yep. be okay. And uh, so th- th- this is something that should be a part of, of who I am and better be a part of who I am, uh, but shouldn't be a requirement of everyone I work around but an opportunity uh, to speak to anyone about faith. Sure, absolutely. That's encouraging to hear. So we as folks that are here back home watching you guys in Washington, sometimes we can feel helpless. And we just sort of, especially as Christians, we're just like, oh, then there's, it just feels like everything's going just all just haywire. How do we, how do we as Christians, how can we make a Christ-centered positive impact 
towards the things that are happening in Washington? Well, a couple of things. The obvious one out there is to be able to pray for what uh, God would want to do there and what our responsibility is here. So pray for the people in the Congress, in the White House and all the staff there and executive offices. Pray for the court uh, uh, and to be able to that they would make wise decisions. Uh, but then also our communication affects more than we think. Uh, we are still a nation that's built on groundswell of emotion and groundswell of facts. Uh, when we have dialogue with other people around us, uh, we set an example for where we're going as a nation. And I know that may take a long time. You feel like, okay, let me just elect somebody and they'll change it all. That's not the way it really works in American politics. Uh, in our country, Washington doesn't change the country. The country changes Washington. And the leaders that are in Washington, D.C. are reflective of the state and communities that they are from. Uh, so if you look at Washington, D.C., I, I hate to tell people, Washington, D.C. is a mirror to the country. Uh, it's not an anomaly. And people want to say Washington, D.C. is freakishly different. It's not. It's a mirror to the country mm -hmm. because those individuals are representative of different communities in the country that are outspoken and engaged. So th the thing that we can do to turn that around is serving and speaking. Uh, for instance, I hear a lot of people talk about social media and the noise and the anger and the vitriol on social media. Completely agree. The way to do that, though, is to not be more hateful on social media, trying to out-hate people who are hating on social media. It's to be radically different mm -hmm. uh, in how we handle our conversations and set a new example and a new tone. Uh, there is a, a very clear calling for Christians to be engaged in the community, but to also set the tone for the community. And so I think that's something that we can do in small ways and in large. Uh, I also encourage people to get involved in things. If God is calling you to a local school board, to a city council, to a county commissioner, uh, to a House Senate race, whatever it may be, uh, don't be afraid to be able to follow and serve in that way. Uh, the Old Testament, there are 39 books in the Old Testament. 36 of the 39 books in the Old Testament were written to, by, or about a political leader. Hmm. Uh, so it is very clear from Scripture that God cares about governance uh, because he cares about people, and people are affected by governments. Uh, so if people want to get involved and serve in a school board or city council race or whatever it may be, go do it. We need good leadership there. That's awesome. Yeah, get involved. Don't, don't, don't complain if you don't have an, an answer. That's I think there's so many people that are just willing to complain about everything, uh, but they don't want to. They don't want to pursue an answer. They just want to complain. Right. It's, it's so right. good. Um, so. Here's another a fun one. This is a fun one. Spiritual heroes. Uh, you can do past or you can do uh, present. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm game for either one, but spiritual heroes. Yeah, well, I, I would say a person that really impacted me personally was a guy that was in college that discipled me. He was a home builder, uh, and but a solid Christian, and a guy that uh, wanted to just invest in other college students. And so he took time off each week, a couple hours each week, just to disciple a group of college students. Hmm. And we're talking during the day of the week. So he would meet us on campus and we would sit and visit. And uh, we'd talk about scripture memory and we would talk about uh, who we're praying for and uh, talk about deep uh, spiritual questions. But th this guy was not a pastor. He wasn't a uh, paid minister. Um, like I said, he was a home builder uh, that just decided, you know what, I have a responsibility from what God has given me and what I know uh, to be able to pass that on. And so he did. So he really made a real difference in my life. That's that's awesome. Love to hear it. So what do you see for the future? What's what's the next five years hold for you? 
Boy, I, I, I don't know because I, I, I can barely see the past clearly. Um, but uh, seeing the future is my, my prayer is to be able to continue to follow God's leadership and to be able to do what he's called me to do. We have a, a new Congress that has just begun in January. I'm on some additional new committees uh, with new responsibilities. And so we'll continue to be able to try to serve faithfully there, uh, but also try to be able to live my faith out. Uh, for me, I'm trying to set uh, small goals uh, through the course of each week uh, to be able to know, okay, this is what I'm going to try to do this week uh, to be able to serve. Because sometimes I've, I've been in the habit of trying to set big goals uh, for a year that I procrastinate enough not to get them done. So I'm going to try to break it into smaller pieces uh, through the course of this year and uh, see if we can't continue to be able to serve people there. Great, great. So how can we pray for you and your family? Well, I'll tell you, I, I always, and by the way, I appreciate that, uh, that question, but I always ask people to be able to pray for uh, wisdom. Uh, we have a million things that need to be done. Uh, anytime you come to Washington, D.C., there's just a million issues that are there. I can't do a million things, but I can do a few. And so the wisdom to be able to know what is my responsibility, uh, what's the key thing that I've got to get done, and then how to be able to do those things well. And yeah. it's the same for the team that I work with. Uh, there's an incredible team of uh, women and men that work with me uh, that they really do a remarkable job. Uh, but uh, they need that same kind of wisdom as well uh, to be able to know what are the key things we've got to get done and what are the things that uh, we, we would like to get done, but there's just not enough hours in the day to get it done. Absolutely. Okay. We can do that for sure. Would you uh, dismiss us in prayer as we in in the broadcast? I would be glad to. Father, I do thank you for the way that you provide for our nation. And we have the opportunity to be able to have this dialogue. Pastors in China and Russia and Iran and so many other places around the world could never have this dialogue. Mm. So I'm grateful for where you have placed us and for the freedom that we have. I pray that we would be wise in our relationships, that uh, we would not... Uh, think and react as the world does, but we would uh, exhibit reconciliation and that uh, we would not be afraid uh, to be able to reach out to people that are different, uh, to reach out in dialogue and conversation, to be able to speak of you and uh, what you've really done in our life. Father, I do pray for our nation, all the noise and the anger that seems to be building in our country. Pray that you would make us people of peace, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, you would continue to be able to call us to a task and that we would do it and honor you in the way that uh, you desire for us to do. Thank you, Jesus, in your provision. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Langford, for being on the program today. I appreciate it more than you know. You bet. Glad to be able to do it. You take care. All right. Thanks, guys. I hope this conversation with James really just blessed your heart. This is a man who is doing incredible things. And I want you to know that you, as a believer in Christ, have the opportunity to do incredible things in the world in which you live. Never count God out. God is always in the business of taking people that we think cannot be used and just transforming the world with them. My hope for you today is that you would find Christ to be sufficient and that you would allow him to work and move in your life to transform the world in which you live. To find out more about the Northfield Radio Program and Caleb Gordon, go to www.calebgordon.com. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.